Thank you for tuning in to Finish the Fight, a gaming podcast. If you have not, be sure to check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash finish the fight, where we have some amazing merch and plenty of other things for you guys. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. This is Spartan 117. Anyone hear me? Over. Isolate that signal. Master Chief, you mind telling me what you're doing on that ship? Sir, finishing this fight. Welcome back to Finish the Fight, a Halo podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Reiner. And I'm your host, Alex Kendall. And as always, let's dive through some news and events that have been going on within the Halo community and Microsoft community as well. Which, let's start it off, there's, there's been a lot going on. Yes, uh, especially in the terms of the rumor mill. Yes. We're getting random YouTubers, random tweets, you know, I know a guy's type thing mm-hmm. about... 343 industry employees have said this. Yeah, uh, about release dates, extra games that are coming out with Infinite, mm-hmm. um, and, and and a disbarment of a rumor from Brian Gerard himself. Yeah, yeah. And, and the bit, you know, that you had Halo Wars 3 is supposedly going to happen, a Fireteam Osiris game is going to happen, and that there was going to be a Halo BR game, but... Or that that BR was going to be in Halo Infinite. But yeah, then, you have a battle royale, and then to find out, it's actually we're going to get some skins in Fortnite from Halo, mm-hmm. which a lot of people are very upset about. But I mean, you guys have to look at it. A, if you dislike Fortnite, whatever, you have to look at this from a marketing perspective. You guys want this game to succeed. It's not going to succeed if it's the most beautiful and grand story ever. But it sells a million copies. That That's how Microsoft looks at this through and through. Yeah. And so, you know, like I said, you had Brian Gerard disp- disbarring that. You had a random YouTuber saying, oh, I, I heard from someone on the inside that on the Zoom call, you know, that they said that there was Osiris and Halo Wars 3 guaranteed. And it's like, you don't really know that. Like, no one knows that. If it happens, great. You're the first one to do it. But more than likely, a lot of that stuff, like the Battle Royale, are assets or talks about potential things they want to do down the road. Mm-hmm. When Infinite's not even done. I mean, I mean, yeah. th- these are things you have to th- realize that a games company isn't producing two other full-length games alongside this game within their universe. When Halo Wars 2 didn't do that well, I don't know who asked for an Osiris game. Which, yeah, that was like one of the biggest things. People didn't like Osiris yeah. in Halo 5, so why are we getting a game? Granted, it's not out of the realm of possibility of 343, it's just 
kind of stuck to their ways. Like, well, this is and, what and, we want to do. And those may be things in that Halo Infinite universe they talked about. They said mm-hmm. this was their last game, but there might be more that come under that banner. Yeah, so expansions that may, Yeah, so that stuff. may be expansions or modes. So, but yes, so that's where we're getting with that. And, and we'll kind of continue on, you know, from there. I mean, we, obviously we had the release of the Xbox Series X, if anyone has gotten one. I don't think anyone has. But no so one has. So that and the PS5 are still floating around. You know, you got scammers and scalpers, got their garages loaded up with them. So hopefully you get one this holiday season. Uh, luckily, though, we're still waiting on Infinite. So if that's what you're looking for, you got some time to wait. You can probably mm-hmm. get one in that, that four to five year time period until Infinite <laughs> releases. So we'll see. But yeah, let's let's continue on. Let's get to the positives. Let's get to some fun arcade action. Let's get into the meat and potatoes of today's episode. We are going to be covering Fire Team. Raven. This is the most recent Halo video game title. It's the most talked about, I'd say. It is, you know, most critically acclaimed. Yes. Um, it's was... won several Emmys, Oscars, <laughs> and daytime TV awards. Everything. I, I mean, we've even made awards just for it. We're going to send them off here soon. I have a full back tattoo of the arcade cabinet of <laughs> Fireteam Raven. Which one? The two-player or four-player one? Both at the same time. <laughs> so it's actually six-player. <laughs> But but yeah, so we are going to be talking about Fireteam Raven, which is, you know, really this this release that no one really expected. It's an arcade game mm-hmm. uh, that that covers the events of Combat Evolve. Yes. So I think that's really interesting that we are going back to our roots. And it makes sense, too. We, we've seen stuff from, you know, everything from Jurassic Park to Star Wars to all these major IPs that have put an arcade game out. Mm-hmm. It's more of a marketing piece, plus a little fun gameplay. I like it from a marketing aspect, and we're going to kind of talk about what it didn't do, what it's done. Does anyone really know about it? <laughs> yeah, which the answer is no, not really. Yeah. But yeah, so Halo Fireteam Raven is an on-rails first-person arcade shooter that was first available to play at Dave & Buster's August 9th, 2018. It takes place during the events of Combat Evolved on Installation 04. The cabinet itself is roughly 11 feet by 11 feet by 11 feet, with two TV screens that make up 130 inches, and they're both 4K screens, and it also has 5.1 surround sound and can seat four total players, or you have a different cabinet that has just two players. Mm -hmm. And I love the cabinet itself is on the outside. It has two Halo rings that are coming out of it. But yeah, so this is... This is really cool because it, you have these turrets that you use, and you could shoot across either screens. Mm-hmm. So if you're all the way to the left, you can shoot all the way over on the right. And there is also a QR code where you can actually upload these stats to Halo Waypoint. So oh, people cool. can even see, like, oh, you you killed this or you got this many points when sure. you played these first few missions as well. You do have that that turret that you use, and it is the Halo Reach style one but you you can uh, also reload with it and throw grenades and so really what this was supposed to be was a callback to the LAN experience for Halo Combat Evolved like that couch Mm co-op sitting there and just going through the campaign but it you know as we had said it debuted at Dave and Buster's in the US before eventually finding itself around the world there are currently no plans though to port it over to Xbox or PC and there are a handful of the cabinets themselves floating around online for sale. If you have like ten grand, hey, 
Go for it. So if we just wanted to remove the table and all the recording equipment from the, from our studio, we could fit probably the two-player cabinet in here. Yeah, it's just a Fireteam Raven podcast now. <laughs> we just play for an hour and hopefully make it through. Yeah, and it's estimated to take anywhere from 30 to 60 minutes to complete the game. I've tried to look up how much it costs because, you know, Dave and Busters, a lot of them now have points. Yeah, yeah, you pay for X amount. And I've I've looked up people saying it's cost that the the points vary so much, so it's hard to really say. I would assume honestly five to ten dollars to probably complete the game on Dave and Buster's price standards. Yeah, just because instead of like paying a dollar to play a game, you pay two hundred and forty points, and you're like, I don't mm-hmm. know what that equates to, so I'm just gonna keep swiping my card. It's essentially it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so let's 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 go back. Let's harken back. Let's give you guys a quick history of arcade games, and you know what came about kind of its rise and downfall and where we see it, you know, today mm-hmm. with with some nice mixed drinks from Dave and Buster's. <laughs> <laughs> this is just a Dave and Buster's ad. Just a D&B ad. Uh, so let's start with arcade games as we know them today can be traced back to the late 19th century um, to the American Dime Museums, Exposition Midways, and Amusement Parlors. The turn of the century led to these places creating more hands-on exhibits, though they quickly became novelties with the invention of moving pictures and recorded sound. So they used a lot of these to tell events, to kind of uh, mm-hmm. have little side attractions, I guess you would say, to tell stories. And and you can see them in a lot of like the history. History Channel doesn't do anything anymore, but a lot of the documentary things that... They might be on Pawn Stars once They might be on moon. Pawn Stars, but it, you've seen a lot of these that brought people up, whether they were for, for knowledge or side attractions, even small things like the grip strength thing or or mm-hmm. various other small side attractions to get you to stay, to get you to learn, to get you to be there. But obviously, with the turn of the century and movies coming about and pictures and just so much more, I guess, influx into the economy, especially in the United States specifically, it led to just so much more growth outside of it. Mm-hmm. So they had to think. So to keep up with the new technology... Arcade owners charged people 25 cents to view kinetoscope films. The popularity of these films led to the creation of other quarter machines such as peep shows, shooting galleries, strength testers, stationary bikes, slot machines, and machines that dispense candy, like I said before. And, you know, starting off with those kinetoscope films, if you go back and watch... I'm, I'm throwing my photo history knowledge. I'm putting my degree to the to the test here. Uh, those are the ones where they're all just individual pictures, but you spin this basically wheel, flat down wheel that has these slits in it, and so mm-hmm. you look through them, and it causes your brain to put those pictures together. So they have like it's a, so cool. So they have like a galloping horse, a moving elephant, mm-hmm. a man running, and it's really neat because you can do with a flipbook in today's standards. Mm-hmm. Uh, flipbook creates that motion or animation, so that's what they started with, and you know expanded from there. Like we said, with like the strength test, slot machine, especially when electronics could be involved into it, and you know honestly developed an entire new breath into i guess the electronics and the creativity and the recreational side of it yeah and you have interactive media as well Mm -hmm. which is amazing modern arcade games were created in the late 1930s when the first coin operated pinball machines were created they slowly incorporated more hands-on items such as plastic guns steering wheels electromechanical baseballs horse racing, shuffleboard, and bowling into the technology over the next three decades. After the success of Duck Hunt and Grand Prix in the 1960s, arcades started becoming larger and more profitable to the point that during the 1970s, games were being created for children too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's it's interesting because for the longest time they were analog. They weren't digital because... I actually didn't know this until like a little side story is the 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 town I grew up in Atlanta Illinois like 1600 people 
I found out that we have an analog arcade museum really that you can go in and play for like a dime or something but it's you know as i said like the things you shoot they're actually on like these little like metal rods yes. that like go around it's so cool like if you can ever play an analog arcade machine do it it's just it's it's like uh, going back in time well it is and it, and it really shows like the the ingenious behind it and with with kind of the, the 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 turn after World War II and a lot more effort and money put into it, mm-hmm. like I said, it's a lot more on that recreational side and people thinking not in terms of sounds weird like not survival. I'm trying to think of more of free time mm-hmm. and more of bringing people in to enjoy those downtimes and let steam off or play with your friends and much more of this kind of weird building up to the video games that we see today. Yeah. Space Invaders, Pac-Man, and other arcade machines became one of the biggest advertising points for restaurants like Chuck E. Cheese and Dave and & Buster's. Go to Dave & Buster's. Use our, <laughs> use our promo code. Use our promo code. Nothing free. Just tell them that. <laughs> uh, so as the 1980s brought better technology and different ways to play arcade games, such as motion control, you know, different stick axes, and obviously better light up and colored screens you're having just so much more interactivity and you're actually going to be seeing a lot of those stand-up arcade machines start to sprout out Mm -hmm. but unfortunately with the new home technology like we said with like the the nintendo and and sega and atari you know arcades started to kind of die out that that going out to these places to spend your quarters was kind of becoming somewhat of a pastime to sit on the couch Play some couch co-op, destroy your brother in Pong, as as you do, <laughs> and and it it kind of led to this decline. Mm-hmm. However, with the introduction of Street Fighter Two during the early 1990s, arcades really started to make that comeback, and I think this is where a lot of manufacturers and especially arcade owners were diving into those okay how do we change these games up instead of being these kind of simplistic one-offs what can we what can we rejuvenate yeah to bring people back into here well what happened is then you had mortal Kombat come in who mm-hmm. started out as a blatant ripoff of street fighter 2 and mortal Kombat. if it wasn't for street fighter we wouldn't have mortal Kombat that inspired midway to do it which became like the biggest arcade game one of the biggest arcade games of all time especially in that era like yes. just revived it and just brought new life to it well it did and and, and to spawn the clones out of that to, to, to get the larger machines the driving machines mm-hmm. <laughs> the driving machines on the road out there. <laughs> no, to, to get like your full arcade cabinets that have a steering wheel and, and these 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 bigger cabinets that have, I guess, more of a story to them and linear mm-hmm. story and, and your, your your time crises and all these other games that are, are are bringing you into their house of the dead, bringing people in to spend those multiple quarters now. Yes, and and to keep it going. H- however, however, even with this popularity and even with this spike surge arcades still continue to die out. You're still having the advancement of the home consoles. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those arcade games are on the home console, and a lot of those home console games were exclusive and never come to the arcade cabinets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, They're expensive to build. They only bring in so much income as long as you have foot traffic. Yeah, well, because arcade uh, places are more of like a novelty now. Yes. Well, and, and we'll, we'll kind of get to the end of this, but 
it really led a lot of businesses to remove their traditional arcade games and a lot of arcades just going out of business. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe selling them off online or like your roller rink gets one arcade cabinet. And like that's that's the arcade in your town now. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the bowling alley in Atlanta. Yeah, and and so that's that's most of what you'd have. But in this modern age, most arcades hold newer popular games that focus on competition, consisting of advanced dancing games with dance pads like your Dance Dance Revolution mm-hmm. and all the knockoffs that followed, uh, shooting games with advanced graphics. Like I said, any of those finalized kind of like Halo Fireteam Raven, the Jurassic Park ones, those are the ones that advanced out of it and have, have updated, mm-hmm. you know, as, as well as your rhythm games such as the Bubble Bubble Pop game, Guitar Hero, yeah, and, and uh, the clones and spawns from that that have made, are still amazing console games, but made very specific arcade games as well. Yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's, as I said, they're novelties. Like once in a blue moon, you go to a really big mall, you see an arcade mm-hmm. area, so you're just like, I'm going to go spend a few bucks and play some games. It's fun to do. Yeah. Well, and, and now in your modern age, most of your arcades are partnered with a bar. You know, in, in the, like, 2015s up, the popularity of arcade bars really started sprouting out. Mm-hmm. You know, I know w- one of my favorite arcade bars, shout out, not sponsored ad, is Tapcade over in Kansas City, Missouri. So if you're in Kansas City, Missouri, up, down, more like down, down, go to Tapcade. Much better place, grand time, and they have all your classics. So like mm-hmm. everything ranging from the seventies through the nineties, like your Ninja Turtles, your Dig Dug, NBA Jam, Crazy Taxi. Is that the game or Taxi Driver? What is that? Crazy Taxi. They don't have it, but yes, that is it. And like, and I love that it's organized by like sports, fighting, combat. So you can mm-hmm. kind of jump around, and it's pay five bucks, all you can play. Love it. So go there, not sponsored, but go there anyway. But I, I sponsor it myself. <laughs> I anti-sponsor up, down, don't go there. But all the other ones, thumbs up. But let's move on. Let's talk about the studio that did create Fireteam Raven, which is Raw Thrills. Which, you know, Raw Thrills was founded in 2001 in Skokie, Illinois, by veteran game designer Eugene Jarvis, who has credits on games such as Defender, Robotron 2084, and Cruisin' Games. Cruisin' Games are staples. Cruisin' USA, Cruisin' the other places. <laughs> you know, you love them. It's one of those things where, you know, Eugene Jarvis, because I looked, because I was like, who who is this guy? Apparently it's just, he's a wizard with mm-hmm. programming these games, like through and through. Like, granted, he it's not like he has, like, you know, the most important games on, you know, his, his resume, but that doesn't mean that, like reading people talking about him, it's just like just let him let him do his thing, and he's going to create something amazing. Yeah, it's one of those things where arcade games are much much different than your home console games. Mm-hmm. Arcade games are meant to eat up money and to get players to play. Like you said, an hour chunk is pretty much where you want people to play at max, mm-hmm. but you want people to keep spending that cash. So if you can program something that is fun is addicting, but also hard enough to cause you to lose or cause you to have to continue, that's really what he was good at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the goal for Jarvis was to create a studio that would make the finest modern arcade games based on film. In 2006, Rothrills would acquire the renowned game development studio Play Mechanics Incorporated to create a new world leader in modern arcade video games. Play Mechanics was founded in 1995 by game designer George Petro as part of a team that created the Big Buck Hunter series of arcade games. Another staple you see at literally every bar in the Midwest. Mm, yes, jeez, <laughs> yes. Even the bars here in St. Louis, it's like it's it, there's no. It's 
because when I first played them, it was at old bars in the country. Mm-hmm. So I was like, why is this like, why would this ever be in the city? And then I moved to the city and I'm like, oh my gosh, nope. this is literally everywhere. You still go to city bars. It's that golf game and <laughs> it's the big buck the ball. <laughs> Yep, it's those two arcade <laughs> games everywhere. Over the years, the two studios would together release titles such as Guitar Hero Arcade, Batman, Jurassic Park Arcade, and Big Buck Wild HD. Mm-hmm. Since its creation in 2001, Raw Thrills has 25 employees and has received over 40 awards for arcade game creation, including Boza Gold Medal Award, Play Meter Player's Choice Award, and AAMA Platinum Sales Award. Let's jump over to the development of Fireteam Raven. Mm-hmm. An arcade-style game is something that 343 Industries had been talking about for years, which originally started as an idea for a Halo pinball machine, which, hey, I'm still down for it. George Petro, obviously the president of Play Mechanics, actually approached Microsoft about six years prior to the release of Fireteam Raven wanting to do a Halo arcade game. Eventually, this would lead to a deal between Raw Thrills and 343 Industries doing such a Halo game together. When Play Mechanics creative director Will Carlin was asked if he wanted to do a Halo game, he replied simply, quote, Hell yeah. I want to make a Halo game. (laughs) The kind of format for Fireteam Raven was something that he had wanted to do for such a long time. Now, many would assume that Raw Thrills would simply just port in existing assets from previous Halo titles, but this wasn't the case at all. Every single thing in the game was created from the ground up, resembling assets from Halo Combat Evolved Anniversary and Halo 2 Anniversary, which... If you play it, I literally thought that's what they did. They're just like, okay, we'll just bring it over. But lead VFX artist Nate Davis would hook up his Xbox to his computer and with a capture card record clips from either of those two games Mm -hmm. and recreate what he saw that was needed for the game, which I think is awesome. That's smart. I mean, it's smart to pull those assets in because you have right where you're getting your source material and be like, oh, okay, let's use those. Exactly. One thing that would spark some fans' interest was the involvement of the legendary arcade game designer Eugene Jarvis, as we had said before. Like that, I'd read some forums because, spoiler, there wasn't a lot of background information on this. So I had to go through and I found some forums of like arcade cabinet forums Mm -hmm. of people saying, like, oh, this is actually kind of interesting now because Jarvis is involved with this. Yeah. and, And you can see just the excitement of it of just like, yeah, I mean, if he's coming on, you know, and the Halo IP was hot. Mm-hmm. Like, like, what is he going to do with it? Because that's such a unique partnership to really bring this together because he's he's like the granddaddy of this. So, yeah. So, so what is he going to be able to do with it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, some fans worried that Fireteam Raven would affect the development of Halo Infinite. But Brian Gerard would have to reaffirm that the game itself was not hindering Infinite's development since 343 Industries themselves weren't actually making the game. Yes, he had to tell people this that they didn't pull developers from the 343 Industries team to go work on an arcade cabinet. Listen, you just got to let people know. You just got to let people know common sense. But Raw Thrills themselves also designed and created the the physical cabinet that the game is played in, which are designed that I found out about 25 to 30% of the way into development of the game. Which kind of makes sense. You want to figure mm-hmm. out really what you're doing with the game and what's happening so you can kind of get the graphics and the mm-hmm. build and the idea of, what you want to do with it. Yeah, and I think it's Microsoft or or the Halo YouTube channel has released like a nine-minute video about the creation of this. Go watch it because it actually goes into like the guys designing the cabinet mm-hmm. itself. Like it's super cool to see it like come together. It's awesome. And let's jump over to just a couple things that were new or returning. Mm-hmm. You obviously had uh, your buggers coming back. 
Haven't seen them in a while. Mm-hmm. So they're gracing their beautiful faces on the we screen. Haven't, we haven't seen them more. since Halo Reach. Yeah. They're back. They're back, baby. And then we see some long sought after. I think everyone wanted this. I think everyone thought of this their entire Halo career. Mm-hmm. Where was that juggernaut teased for Halo 2? Yeah, the one that should have been there but was cut. Forever, some might say, but brought back into Fireteam Raven, the the game everybody wanted it to be in, um, <laughs> which is basically just this, this huge flood form. Not not really a boss, but basically like a bullet sponge tank, mm-hmm. uh, very similar to just being like a huge kind of Hurragok. Yeah, it's it's like a Hurragok with legs because it has that round body, mm-hmm. giant arms. Yeah, and it's like one of those things when, when you would have killed it, all the flood in the area would have died. Yes, yeah, so it's it's very much... Going back to Dead Rising, obviously, uh, it, it's very much like when you find a queen bee and you crush the queen bee, all the zombies around you die. So uh, once again, stealing from Dead Rising, I appreciate it. I appreciate the homage. I'd like to think it's inspiration. Uh, I think it's direct theft, but we beg to differ. And finally, uh, Flood Pure Forms. Mm-hmm, which which we hadn't seen since Halo 3. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and in, in, in this one, they made him look like Frank from Always Sunny, when he's just covered in Purell, and you just hear him <laughs> saying, I just want to be pure. <laughs> That's my assumption. New goal is to compare everything to the different versions of Frank from Sunny. Yes, yeah, so those, those are obviously where I think <laughs> sprouts from. But yeah, so let's talk about the marketing, or, you know, kind of the lack thereof. Mm-hmm. So there was not much marketing for Fireteam Raven, other than some articles and official announcements of the release from 343 Industries. Rather, the Halo community itself helped spread the word of the arcade game's release. In October of 2018, Australia's Time Zone Games held a contest to celebrate their launch of Fireteam Raven. Teams of four would compete through the game for the highest score, with the winner receiving a custom ODST costume, a SOCOM SMG weapon kit, a custom ODST helmet, and other prizes. Now, the 405th Infantry Division, the maker community and costume club for, you know, the Halo franchise, held a cosplay get-together to celebrate the release of Fireteam Raven at several Dave & Buster's locations in Washington and California, as well as Time Zone Games in New Zealand. So imagine you're just, like, there with your kid one day, and all these people just walk in dressed up as Halo characters, and you're like... All right, honey, it's time to go. (laughs) (laughs) It's really cool, though. The community kind of took it over and made it their Mm -hmm. own Mm -hmm. um, for as much as they had because they hadn't seen a game release in three years. Oh, yeah. And they haven't received anything about news. Well, this is something as well. I think it's cool because this is where you can cosplay. Mm Mm-hmm. And and play a game publicly. Yes. Like because like even otherwise you'll be shamed. <laughs> but yeah, like even this game now, because it, it did pop up, it was originally just for Dave and Busters, but it's popped up at malls now mm-hmm. at there's a bar here in St. Louis that has it. Like it it's cool to see that people still do they'll like dress up as their favorite Halo characters and go play it. Yeah. Makes sense. Now, let's kind of give a rundown, a rundown of kind of what the campaign you're going to look like is obviously still go play it. Still go spend your money and mm-hmm. play this game where there's no Dave and Busters around you because they're not sponsored anymore. <laughs> Cancel the sponsorship <laughs> just right now. Uh, but let's, let's give you an idea on what we're looking at. Mm-hmm. Fireteam Raven takes place concurrently with the events of Halo Combat Evolved, as we stated earlier in the episode. The game opens on September 19th, 2552, with the UNSC Pillar of Autumn arriving in the Soul System at Installation 04, being met by the fleet of particular justice. So far, you're just... You're just describing Combat Evolved. I know you already said it, but the scan needs to be a little original. I have the wrong notes up. Sorry. Let me switch. 
Okay, now I'm on the right notes. <laughs> oh, wait, they're the exact same notes. But Fireteam Raven, who's aboard the ship, are briefed by Major Antonio Silva, we get to see this bad boy again, uh, on their mission, defend the Pillar of Autumn from Covenant borders. The team then proceeds to battle a variety of grunts, jackals, and elites inside the ship, making their way through the internal corridors. Eventually, the team are commandeered by Wellesley to take a spacewalk into a breach compartment and man the ship's M910 Rampart turrets, fending off Covenant strike fighters. Eventually, the team re-enter the ship and link back up to their drop pods. Now, on their way, this is cool, they encounter Master Chief entering his own lifeboat. So, like, you know, like, when he goes and throws that guy Mm -hmm. in, like... There's there's two different times spoiler alerts where he shows up, but yeah, he like shows up, shoots a shoots a bunch of Covenant, throws the guy in, and, and runs and like, in, and they go, oh, Chief, hey, how's it going? We need <laughs> last last lifeboat goes out. <laughs> That's essentially what it is. At this point, they are informed that Captain Keys has ordered all personnel to abandon ship after they already see the rest of the personnel <laughs> yeah. abandon ship. They're like. Uh oh. The team enters their drop pods and proceed to land on installation 04 in time to watch the Pillar of Autumn crash in the distance. Which I will say actually looks really good on those screens. Dude, the visuals, I do love the visuals for this game. Through and through, I think it's it's incredibly done. So the team then begins making a 28-hour hike across the installation, guided by Wellesley, to reach the ship's crash site. They arrive in time to observe a raid being conducted by allied UNSC forces and proceed to assist by manning a warthog. Eventually, the team helps the Marines secure the ship and are consequently taken to Alpha Base. Here, the team is debriefed by Major Silva, survived it of course, (laughs) though the meeting is interrupted by the start of a Covenant attack. Fireteam Raven helped the Marines fend off several waves of dropships before manning some captured shade turrets to begin fending off aircraft. The attack is eventually reinforced by a lich named the Upright Chalice, though the lich does eventually depart. Eventually, Fireteam Raven are recalled for a Falcon extraction as a new threat has emerged in the canyons near the ring's control room. Mm. This is where you're like... What's going on here? Okay. The fire team are deployed into the canyon, gunning down flood forms from the gunship's machine gun turrets before unloading onto the canyon floor to provide a distraction for combatant flood and covenant in the area so Master Chief can achieve his mission of destroying the ring. So yeah, this is I, I do love how they they even build up the flood in this game. Mm-hmm. Like I think they they do it like they do in Combat Evolved. And another side note, I love that they're bringing in characters from the novel The Flood. Yes. I think that was so cool. They didn't have to do that. They brought in Wellesley, Sylvia. Like, it's awesome. It's it's really cool. I mean, because once again, updated visuals, a really cool side story. I mean, this is kind of reminiscent of the ODST kind of like working alongside the same story mm-hmm. that you know of, going back and forth, even a little bit of reach, knowing what's coming ahead. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just really well done. It's just so cool to see those. It, it, you're basically seeing a visual novel mm-hmm. where like this would be written into a book about how this fire team, Raven, fended this off, saw Chief. And it's, it's, it's so cool to see it visually and be able to be a part of it. I, I agree wholeheartedly. The team are eventually pressed in by flood forces before being saved by none of the Master Chief himself who promptly departs afterwards again he runs up shoots a bunch of flood like in a slow-mo cutscene, mm-hmm. looks at them gives them a little head nod runs away so i good. love it eventually the falcon lands to extract the fire team once again though it's hit by a wraith plasma mortar round causing the chopper to crash <laughs> in another part of the ring 
Fireteam Raven survives the crash and moves to take cover in a Forerunner structure nearby while battling more Flood and Covenant forces. Eventually, the team are faced with two Flood juggernauts. Oh. And they die. <laughs> oh. If you lose. But if you continue on, <laughs> you're able to defeat them in time for a Pelican dropship to land and extract your team. The dropship takes Raven to join another UNSC attack on Pillar of Autumn's crash site, this time with the aim of stopping the Covenant and the Flood on the ring for preventing the Master Chief from destroying the installation. So a lot of mm-hmm. frums in there. But yeah, you're basically <laughs> working alongside Chief to make sure to dwindle the forces he can get inside yes. and detonate that drive. Raven is deployed in a Warthog to attack the Covenant head-on, but is soon stopped by a Scarab. The squad then gets into the back of a Falcon and boards the Scarab from the air, taking it down. They proceed to fight some more Flood and Covenant forces before the Pillar of Autumn's fusion drives are detonated and the ring explodes. Fireteam is unfortunately killed in the explosion. Yeah. I will say, I do appreciate that they brought in the Halo 3 Scarab. Yes. So I guess they did take literally two assets the pure forms and the uh, scarab from Halo Three, but yeah, so I do appreciate as well that they did that, and it's cool that you do actually like, go on the scarab mm-hmm. and like fight your way through it. So again, I think they, yeah, jumping a little head, they did great with this yeah. for an arcade game. Hell yeah, they did great. I mean, to actually have a story that is cohesive, follows along with it, maintains your interest, and is still a fun gameplay. Like I think it hits every note. Yes, because even like the Jurassic Park one, it's fun. I really like that game. I have no idea what story I'm doing in it. House of the Dead. What am I doing? I'm shooting dead people. In a house. Uh, Self-explanatory. <laughs> <laughs> but let's jump over to the multiplayer really quick. Now, while not having any direct form of multiplayer, Fireteam Raven allowed players to play in teams of four, making it easier to progress further in the game and earn a higher score. Even more, fans could create a QR code of their Xbox gamer tag that, when scanned at the Fireteam Raven cabinet, would let players play under their gamer tag and post on a community and world leaderboard. Mm-hmm. So again, cool that they did that. I think that does help it a little bit. They could be like, oh, this is this is Jesse ODST4 on the screen right now. Like, I think that's awesome. Let's do another really quick touch on the music itself. Mm-hmm. Now, the soundtrack from Fireteam Raven does not have an original score but rather consists of past tracks from other Halo titles with some being remixed. So uh, th- with the handful of levels that there are, we do see Sentry Battle from Halo 5, mm-hmm. On Deck from Halo 5, Crypt, Untethered, Advent, all from Halo 5 as well, and then Legacy from Halo Spartan Assault. So Yeah, I like that they... I mean, to make custom assets for the music specifically, I think it's just kind of silly and expensive. Oh, it would, yeah. But but to remix your current assets that you own um, and to make them fit is is really smart. And and I think it ties in Halo 5 to this. Not story, not anything, just the cohesiveness of the studio. Yeah. Bringing their music and be like, oh, I remember that track. I just played it like three years ago. Yeah, and even the fact that they brought in Legacy from Spartan Assault, mm-hmm. which is used during the main menu end credits and the end of mission reports. Yeah. Like, that's so cool because as a Tom Salta with the Spartan Assault soundtrack absolutely killed it so mm-hmm. why not bring in some awesome music i totally agree and i i think i think it's produced well i mean from watching the videos that we watched of it it's just it's just really neat to, to see it in there and I, it fits the beats that you need it, it absolutely it fits that battle momentum it fits that downtime momentum um you know and then like basically finding you know those those juggernauts i mean it, it hits perfectly absolutely so let's let's give you an idea on the release version you had the exclusive 17 seat version 
that was only available uh, at the North Pole. Uh, but outside of that, we had the four-player cabinet and the two-player cabinet, like we had said before. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, playing four-player can get you a little bit more challenge, a little more score, a little more competitiveness. Or you yeah. can go ahead-to-head. Your choice. Yeah, yeah. And to give you a little wrap-up, Fireteam Raven was considered a left-field release from Microsoft. Fans have also felt rather neutral about the game. Granted, the game did nothing to reinvent the arcade experience, but as an arcade experience itself in Halo... It was actually pretty refreshing. Yeah, I mean, as I said, this is one of those things where, as I will talk about how IGN was like one of the few places that reviewed it. Mm-hmm. It's just the fact that going through forums, a lot of people were just saying, you know, it is a typical, for the most part, on-rails shooter. Sure. But then you have Halo players, you know, who, for the most part, will eat up, especially the hardcore community, will eat up anything they can get. Mm-hmm. You get a game where... It's reinventing the Halo experience. Yes. They loved it. They thought it was it was pretty cool for the most part. So that's why it's like kind of mixed because it's like two different crowds on what they think of it. Obviously something new. Halo community is going to love it. And then the hardcore arcade community is going to be like, yeah, it was good. It was nothing crazy, mm-hmm. but it was, it was good. It played well. I have to agree with you. I mean, I think visually and, and just the story of it and knowing the story, the, the backstory. Yes. Really makes this. As an arcade game, I, I think it's it's a fun one. It's your House of the Dead with advanced graphics. Shoot, shoot, shoot. Mm-hmm. All right, go to the next part. Shoot, shoot, shoot. Next part. So it's it's. I mean, it's what an on rails is. I mean, there's there's no, in my opinion, true way to reinvent it without having to redo everything about it. Yeah. And change up the control scheme and change it up. And I mean, this is coming from you know a veteran who's been doing this, knows what he's doing, mm-hmm. and knew the best way to get like both communities get the yeah, it's fun. To the like, yes, this is a great Halo experience to, mm-hmm. to, to meld those two communities together. And I thought they did really well. You know, and, and you, Eugene Jarvis would state this quote Halo Fireteam Raven is without a doubt the most spectacular arcade simulator ever made. Whether or not he believes that or is just uh, trying to promote it, we'll never know. We'll never know. He's just trying to promote it. <laughs> <laughs> After a full playthrough of the game, IGN's Ryan McCaffrey would state, quote, Thanks to its impressive physical setup, rapid-fire pacing, and use of many of Halo's signature weapons, Fireteam Raven had me grinning throughout and left me satisfied when it was over. It is a spectacle worth revisiting in Arcade 4, and its high cost per run is tolerable because it's something you'll likely only want to play through once. Like, we, How much did they pay you, Ryan? How much did they pay you to say that? Like we said, games like these, especially Divin Busters, are, are are pretty high. It's like a three to five dollar playthrough, mm-hmm. if not a little bit more, depending on if you die. Um, if you're bad like me, maybe yeah. a little, maybe a little more, maybe hundred bucks. <laughs> but <laughs> overall, Fireteam Raven would receive critical responses from Halo and arcade fans everywhere. With you know McCaffrey giving it a final seven point eight out of ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean. As I said, let's let's dive into what we thought about this game. And as always, Alex, please start us off. Yeah, I want to start with like the the history of arcades and what we what we touched on. I mean, it's it, it, it jumping into Fireteam Raven into an arcade was was such a, an off the wall thing to do that I'm glad they did. Our arcades have been a staple forever. You know, it's the ups and downs, ups and downs, and I, and I totally understand that. Like I said. I love arcade bars. It mixes, you mm-hmm. know, having a great time with your friends, being an adult doing it, you know, because they take that experience of being there, getting your pop and your your mm-hmm. things from the, the soda jerk. <laughs> <laughs> but now, you know, bringing it to a community that is out and about a 
well, once was, out and about at bars and really mm-hmm. enjoying themselves and bringing back that nostalgia trip. And I think that's what a lot of arcades are for the majority of people is that nostalgia hit. They're like, oh, I remember uh, the Simpsons fighting game. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I remember Street Fighters here. I remember Mega Man. I remember those arcade games I played. Let me play it, especially just at five bucks at Tapcade, Kansas City, Missouri, to just play through it and keep playing. And so the experience really made it. And then you jump over to the Dave and Busters of it, which Dave and Busters are pretty much the the adult Chuck E. Cheese, um, where you're paying way too much for like a garbage margarita, sipping on the floor. <laughs> um, but they have plenty of games there. And then they have like a whole section for these styles of Fireteam Ravens, Batmans, Guitar Heroes, Rhythm mm-hmm. Games. And once again, those points per dollar, I have no idea how it translates, but you pay a lot. <laughs> and I guess that's where the question comes. Is it worth paying, let's say, that 5 to $7 price tag for a potential one playthrough or you know two playthrough of Fireteam Raven? And I would say just from not being able to play it because of obvious reasons, just watching the videos, watching the arcade setups, and kind of watching the passion that goes into it, if it's anything comparable, you know, gameplay-wise, like my feel, like if I was in it, mm-hmm. to what I felt in those other arcade shooters I have... It's already up there with a fun time, especially if you have three friends or your mom, you know, with the two-player one, you know, jumping her on there because you're six and at Dave & Buster's for some reason. Um, I, I've been at Dave & Buster's <clears throat> when I was a kid. I mean, so have I, but, you know, I'm too cool for my mom for Halo. <laughs> Get out of here, nerd. Get out of here, mom. You're, making me, you're, you're gonna mess up my KD. Come on. Mom, that's the Master Chief. He's my favorite. <laughs> uh, but I think, it's, I think it's an awesome experience. I'm I, I really glad that something like this came out you know, your, your typical arcade thing that you do see today that companies will do for PR stunts is pinball. And, and, Absolutely. And, and like what they said in research, that they want to do a pinball machine because most everyone has one. I mean, whether it's a movie, big novel like Harry Potter, uh, games, any other pop culture things have pretty much mm-hmm. made their way to pinball. It's not simple in any way, but it's a simplistic way to skin a game Get some graphics, get some computer-generated, you know, text popping up about Willy Wonka, yeah. and you've got yourself, you know, a, a thing that every 40-year-old man will have in his garage. Yeah, essentially, which I didn't realize, side tangent, you can actually rent pinball machines. You can. You can rent a lot of arcade games. That is awesome. Yeah. I didn't know that. One, well, And they started doing it a lot more with our current situation, just because no one's going to bars or arcades. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're actually renting it out that you can play it at home, kind of like a library. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And as I said, Alex, I said we hadn't. Is this is the one game I will say we haven't played uh, through and through? But I don't think that takes away from appreciating it, nonetheless. As I said, when when we were we we were researching this, going through and watching some of the cutscenes, I think it's awesome that they not only went all the way back to Combat Evolved because I can't really think of any other place that that would make sense. Mm-hmm. But I think it's awesome that they did go back to Combat Evolved and they brought in characters. From the novel itself, I think that's so cool. I agree. I, you know, touching on the actual Halo aspect, I fully agree that they brought in these characters that you may not know, and this may be your first mm-hmm. time exposure to them, which is kind of cool because you don't have to know them. But, yeah. But knowing them brings on just so much more to the game. Yeah, as I said. So, like, it's cool to see that. And if you haven't played the game, I'd say just check out the Flood first, because I think, like, check out the Flood. Obviously, you probably played Combat Evolved, and then go play the game, because I think I think it's awesome. I would love to see some kind of $5 Xbox Arcade release or something like that. Like, that would be cool, just an on-rails experience of, like, even if it's single-player, obviously, you have to change up some of the formulas, how much it takes to kill someone, but... No, either either way, just just give me the light gun. 
bring back the the Nintendo light gun to the <laughs> Xbox and let me shoot my TV. But but that would be so fun. Like I, mm-hmm. and I I'm not ruling it out. There's a possibility it will potentially come out one day, but I think it's cool and I think it's again, it is a beautiful game. Like mm-hmm. I hadn't been to an arcade seriously since I was probably a teenager playing House of the Dead because that's the that's the one I always went to and I always lost so quickly and ran out of money. But so it kind of did give off, you know, it's it's a shooter, so it gave off those vibes. But again, if it's if it's not broke, don't fix it because that's how most of those shooters are. But you can't deny that it is an awesome game to see, and it's mm-hmm. just it's a different experience, and it's not like a Halo Wars two where it was, you know. X amount of years of development, a $60 release, and all these things. Like, it's very much so just a novelty that if, you, if you're if you near a Dave & Buster's or one of these bars or this mall that has it, go check it out. I think it's really cool. I think it's awesome that the Halo community kind of took it upon themselves to do, like, these release events for the game. Like, mm-hmm. I think that is that is so cool. That's something I, I I will appreciate and I still do about the Halo community is is doing things like that. Like, I think that is so cool. And, and you know, this is usually where I give a rating. I'm not going to give a rating. I, I didn't play this game, but I will say just seeing the cutscenes, how beautiful they are, how obviously this wasn't... There was still care put into this mm-hmm. game and a lot of thought. I'm going to recommend it. Go play it. I think it's... I think. It's a cool experience, and again, if you if you have enough points on your card, your Dave and Buster's card, you'll get through it eventually. That's for sure. Okay, well, I'm I'm gonna give it a rating because obviously it's basically just Dead Rising Arcade. <laughs> um, I would probably give it um, like two like pretty weak mojitos that cost like ten bucks a piece. Add in the two different fights I've seen at the Dave and Buster's by us. Multi- You've seen fights at Dave and Buster's. Mm-hmm. Multiply that by the really exorbitant pricing on the marginal bar food. <laughs> uh, subtract out the amount of stupid coins I've launched in that crane game that pushes the coins to the edge to get me tickets. Oh, but worst. add in the one time I broke a machine and I got all the tickets out of it. And that equals a good time. <laughs> so that was our coverage of Halo Fire Team Raven. Research was done by Jesse Reiners and Evan Barr. And our next up will be a little, uh, little cheeky Christmas wrap up. Yeah, Christmas, end of the year, whatever you want to call it. We're coming to an end. We have gotten all the game episodes out of the way, mm-hmm. as we had said. So, so yeah, we're gonna give just kind of a wrap of of. You know what Halo's kind of been with us and met with us, and give you guys a little update on what our Jan one is kind of coming. I mean, we've been teasing that in our Discord, mm-hmm. a little bit online, our other you know our other outlets like Instagram. Um, we, we've teased it a little bit. We've teased you know our, our mods know a lot about it, but yeah, we'll do a wrap up, kind of what it's meant to us, what, what it's given to us. It's literally coming out on Christmas, so that's why we're calling it the Christmas episode. Mm-hmm. I will be dressing up. You will not see any of it, but I will be fully dressed up, head to toe in a Christmas suit <laughs> um, for all of us to enjoy. And we will see you there. Yeah. But today, want to thank those who have been supporting us this whole time and really appreciate it, you know, through this crazy year that you guys have still supported us and been there. And I, I honestly cannot thank you enough and truly support you. And we're going to share those names today mm-hmm. with our patrons. Uh, we have Charles Zitter, Tactics, Skyjack, Harvey Chong, Brandon Reshtar, Anger Canadian, ZZ Slipaway, Grant Dillon, Duststorm, Mr. Choff, Count Fung Feliciano, 
Dragonfire, James Yervasi, Jonas, DGamer1298, Alejandro Jaramillo, Delfix, Quantum Easy, That LL Gamer Guy, Jamie Sneed, McRae Austin, Mega, Thomas Goulding, Nick Hyman, Tuna0317, Brandon Christian, Richard Scanlon, McChief, Big Papa Semichki, Grant ODST, Loki2014, Nathan Vandevort, Climbing Spork, and Mr. himself, 1898, also known as Evan. Yes. So if you want to join our Patreon, please, you know, either go to patreon.com slash finish the fight, or if you want any more information before you visit, you know, message us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Please give us a like or a follow before you do so, though. And as Or don't. Just get rid of us. (laughs) Anti-like us. And if you're ever interested as to what our game nights are like, go on to twitch.tv slash sourman70, where you can see every other weekend... Alex, uh, go crazy on all of us and listen to me and get mad at me for various reasons. Hey, it's all if Jesse shows up. <laughs> That's the question we've had for months now. Is Jesse going to be there? But yeah, you will see my beautiful face. Um, we're going to do a lot HD. of HD. That, that 4K, some might say. Even though Twitch does 1080. <laughs> uh, but yeah, tune in for those. We'll have a lot more Twitch content coming in the new year. Mm-hmm. I've got a lot of plans. We're finished a bunch of graphics with it. It's, I'm having a real good time with it. We just got a lot of new stuff coming here soon. Let's yeah. just say that. I will agree with that. So yeah, we will see you on our next episode. Who knows what's going to happen? Who knows what's going to happen? But with that being said, I am your host, Jesse Reiners. And I'm your host, Alex Kendall. And thank you for tuning in to Finish the Fight, a Halo podcast. I think we're just getting started.